Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, this is Vince Quinn if I swallowed a balloon, and you're listening to a clip of my show from Friday nights, 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Enjoy! All right, so special guest joining me right now, uh, Seamus Clancy from the 700 level is here. Hello, Seamus. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, totally. So I had to talk to you because there's a big story that's been going on. Uh, NJ.com puts out a job request, and they do it on Twitter, and it's been a big deal. Like, what is it for you? What is it about this story? Like, why does everybody have to talk about the NJ.com posting? What, what about it? I feel like it just captures... Uh, the essence of sports writing employment in 2018 just sums it up really well for me in the sense that this is a traditional media, I don't want to say a powerhouse, but just a traditional mainstream media outlet in NJ.com. Having someone cover the most exciting team in the tri-state area almost, and they sort of want that person to not be treated as a full-time employee, though I'm sure. Now, I don't know the exact descriptions of the position. Uh, that sports director, I believe his name was Kevin something, sorry, with an M, I'm not exactly sure of his last yeah, name. Yeah, Kevin Manahan. Kevin Manahan. Uh, it seemed like he did not want to give specific details about the job in a way that seemed really off-putting. And I understand that newsrooms, I've worked in newsrooms before, have extremely tight budgets and really like stringent in this era. But at least be transparent about what someone is going into. Don't make someone go through the hiring process to find out they get a $200 a month stipend for, you know, 15 hours a week of work that's really closer to 25 hours a week of work. So that's one of the things that's so interesting about it is you've got um, a, a major outlet offering very little pay. And, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not a sports writer. I've been Radio is a whole different grind, and, and we could gladly talk about that. But uh, yeah. From a sports writing perspective, like, what is that grind like? Why is it that, you know, you look at this job, and, like, what have you gone through? What, what are you looking at? What, what do you see from your history when you look at this job? Uh, I feel like this is a job that will turn out just young, optimistic, either college age or recently graduated, aspiring sports writers, and it will just, you know, force them to hate the industry and make them question why they got into this business in the first place. I've been in that group before. Um, you know, things have worked out of mind enough that I'm able to have a stable day job and freelance on the side as a passion project and still get some money for it. But I think my, I'm sure my little freelance gig would probably be even more, just as much money, you know, writing three or four articles a month than that job pays you for an entire month of being essentially a beat writer. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? Like, because you worked at SB Nation, and I know SB Nation, there's been a lot of stories. Like, Deadspin yeah. wrote a story that, that drew a lot of attention about this post with NJ.com. So, what, like, what was it like working for SB Nation as a young writer trying to get your foot in the door? Well, before I wrote for them, I sort of had my own personal blog, and then I, you know, made a name for myself on Twitter and started interning for the Philadelphia Daily News and did that for a couple semesters during college. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the time that I kind of got on Liberty Ballers' radar. It's obviously a site at that time that I read. Uh, religiously, and I was able to come on and be a contributor. And at that time, that wasn't a paid position for me. And I did that for about two years. And then after, like, you know, really getting into it, and I was, you know, it was taking some time off of school and was really focused on, you know, the rebalance was essentially my job in my sort of one-year leave of absence from school, and I wasn't getting paid for it. 
Um, but then early in 2017, they started giving me a monthly stipend of about, I think, $300 a month, um, okay. which is pretty nice. More, more than, like, that's the thing. It's like I have to take it because it's better than nothing, but it's still not necessarily equal to what I'm putting in in terms of work and effort and time. I think people's time is valuable. People's you know, livelihoods and happiness is valuable. And I think some of these things... Um, you know, don't really measure that. Well, well, tell me about that, right? Because, like, what is the amount of time? What were the expectations when you're a young writer working on a stipend and, you know, you're expected to put this time in? Listen, I wouldn't say it was a full-time job, but it felt like a part... It definitely felt like a part-time job and not just a part-time job where you help your dad as, you know, a construction worker a couple times on, you know, days are off from school or you're home from college or things like that. It felt like a part-time job where, hey, I'm going to have to... This week, I'm in charge of the monthly or the, the the morning post every day. So I'm staying up from, you know, till one o'clock, you know, uh, curating what's going on in the rest of the MBA and writing up this article. That feels like a job to me. That doesn't feel like a hobby. Yeah. Did I really want to, you know, do it, did I really want to wake, stay up until one o'clock and see what was happening with the West Coast basketball game and, you know, try to write and how that pertains to the Sixers and what's going on with the team? No, like I didn't want to do that. That's not my passion project, but as something the site needed, it was something the it was a team demand, and I was happy to do it because it allowed me to have some money as well as do all the other things that I like to do on the site um, that weren't as much content milling and content grinding. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through all of this kind of work, like the goal is obviously you want to get other writing gigs, and that's why this kind of job as much as, and my God, the post is like so derogatory, right? That's what really got um, me about this. The it's worst just, part was if a different editor had sent that position out, none of this would have happened. It's just the the tone that he took with it was so, so off-putting that it just, it spoke of someone who probably calls millennial snowflakes all the time. That's the, that's the <laughs> right? person I imagine. Yeah. Heaven is. And I obviously haven't met him before. He could be a great guy in real life. But it just seems so off-putting in the way he was basically asking for someone who was an experienced veteran newsroom journalist. He specifically said, you know, not someone who's covered the team in their basement. I was like, well, I covered the team in my basement. Me covering my, the team in my basement led to be covering the team in real life through the same outlet with SB Nation and Liberty Ballers. Yeah, and you guys have had a lot of successful people come through Liberty I mean, Ballers just yeah, in the past couple of years. Like at that at that time between, I guess, like 2013, 2014 to through 2016, 2017, there was a stable of guys who really made them a name for themselves. Like Jake Fisher works for Sports Illustrated. Derek Bodden, Rich Hoffman with The Athletic, Kyle Newbeck, Philly Voice, Jake Pavorsky working in the media side, of, like the, um, the business side of basketball now. And there was a ton of talent there, and I'm not sure all of us were necessarily compensated as well as we probably should have been, given that our site was always trafficked, trafficked really, really well, and it was always one of the top NBA sites for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand the constraints of the industry, and I was happy to do it. No one forced me to do that. I agreed to do it because I wanted to do it. I knew what I was getting into, and I wanted to make a name for myself. And I think... You know, I'm not from the most well-off family in the world, but I had enough sort of stability that I was able to kind of take those jobs for a little bit and, um, you know, go without making a lot of money and still living at home and my parents paying for some things for me. But at a certain point, it became um, unreasonable for me to keep doing that as an adult. As I as I grew older, I needed to have, I couldn't still, my parents still couldn't financially support me. I needed to kind of have some independence in my life and I needed to find a day job. And I sort of gave up on running for it, but just because the industry really churned me out, I had a kind of a hard burnout from it after 
you know, taking some internships in college and really diving deeply into the whole online basketball writing circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just worked out that I was able to have a day job that allows me to work creatively and, um, you know, use some of those skills that I made as a blogger and and as a writer. Uh, Yeah, and I'm glad you have those platforms because, frankly, I think you're really good, and it's just tough because you look at this market, right? Like, Philly is is just the craziest sports town of crazy sports towns. Yeah. And you've got, like, on top of all of the – because, like, there are all the SB Nation blogs, and they're good. They do good work there. But then you've also got, like, Crossing Broad, and then you've got the radio stations, and you've got – Ever, like everybody on the street has a blog, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but like yeah, I don't want to say it's oversaturated or anything like that because you know the more freedom the better. You know the more outlets out there, the better to me in the sense that everyone's able to have their own specific voice and sort of curate and form the content they want to see in the Philly sports community. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I guess it's more like it's just so tough for enough outlets to have full time jobs because oh, that's yeah. everybody's it's so goal. Yeah, it's so hard. So it's like. When you've got a market that's this crazy, but you've also got so many people that are young and hungry and passionate and want to get in, this is one of the things I'm trying to figure out is like, what do you do? What do you say to a younger person that doesn't have that experience? Maybe they're in college and they're thinking about it. Like, what avenue do you take? Because you see this kind of NJ.com job that's looking at you. And as much as it looks bad, it's appealing, you know? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Because if I was 20 years old, 21 years old, I would have applied to that job already been hoping that I get hired. And that just really tells you the state of how hungry people are and how desirable jobs in this field are. But it just seems that these aren't jobs that necessarily produce a lot of money and a lot of revenue. That's a shame because I think, you know, at the dawn of the Internet boom, at the end of, you know, the 90s, you know, people stopped paying for the arts and media. People stopped paying for music. People stopped paying for films to a degree because they were pirating them. People stopped playing for newspapers because they were reading them online for free. I think that just created a culture where that I've grown up my entire life not necessarily having to go out and buy the newspaper every day if I wanted to get news. I'm sure you're relatively similar. Yeah. And I'm not sure that we can get out of that. And I'm not sure that can really change. I like what the athletics doing in a way and that they hire a lot of big talent. And, you know, they these people are talented and they're making money uh, doing something they love. And I think that's really respectable. But I don't think, you know, the entire media market shouldn't just be the athletic and then unpaid bloggers. There should be room for other, you know, voices and tones and styles to work and have success and people to make, even if it's not a complete living, just make a reasonable amount of money for what their their work and what they're creating and their labor. Yeah, so we're talking with Seamus Clancy, who is with NBC Sports. He writes with the 700 level there. And here's one of the things. What do you think of Patreon then? Because you've got all these young writers trying to figure out something. You can make a couple of bucks. Like, is that the solution if you're a young kid trying to figure this out? I, I don't know. I think absolutely, because you're sort of in, in control of yourself in terms of you're controlling your marketing. You're controlling what and how often you're writing. You know, you're it's giving all the power to you and away from sports editors. And that's really hard to do if you're a young and up and coming writer where you might not have necessarily a name for yourself. You might have a couple hundred, couple hundred followers on Twitter and, you know, it might be hard to do that at first, but at the same time, I, you know, I tip my hat to anyone that wants to do that and wants to get paid for the you know labor of love they do with sports writing. I think everyone should get paid for uh, to a degree for what they're doing, and people deserve money for their their work and their effort. Um, you know, when a lot of kids 
you know, I get a decent amount of kids in college or high school or recent graduates that'll reach out to me saying, hey, how do I get a job in, in sports writing? And my first response is, I'll have to go call someone and see. And if they give me an answer, I'll get back to you. But it just, it's so hard. I don't want to discourage any kids from doing it or say that it's, you know, a waste of time. It hasn't been a waste of time. Writing about sports has led me to so many friendships and opportunities that were fun. It's led me to my girlfriend for crying out loud. Which is a great story. I mean, that yeah. was that was so cool. Yeah. And, but, like, at the same time, if, if I didn't have a Twitter following that I made from writing about the Sixers for years and, you know, covering the Eagles and tweeting about the Eagles, you know, the, my tweet would have never appeared on her timeline. So it's like, was it worth it, everything I did? Absolutely. I have a, you know, a job that I love. I have a part-time job with NBC Sports. I want to call it a part-time job. It's a freelance position mm-hmm. that I really enjoy doing that I've been doing lately. And I think I don't have a full-time job doing sports writing. I think I'm still one of the best examples of a sex story with it. So I think that speaks to how hard the industry really is. My, what I tell younger writers is, if you're just starting your own blog, if you're writing for your school newspaper, don't expect to make any money doing this. And if you have that mindset that you could still want to do that, you could still try to do that, but that shouldn't be your expectation that you're going to be, you know, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer or work on ESPN one day. Those goals are just so lofty and so hard, and it's great to have goals. But if you're not, I don't want that person to be 25 years old saying, why am I still not having a full-time job in this? Why am I, you know, doing a $100 a month, $200 a month, whatever it is from SB Nation or NG.com? I just don't want to put people down a wrong pathway and think that, you know, the success I have is a given when it was, you know, some of it was, you know, my hard work and my talent and other stuff was just kind of random. Yeah. And that's how it goes, right? Like for me, the reason that I got my very first show here at WIP was actually because the Pope was in town and they couldn't get people to come into the city because they barred off the whole city. And they were just like, all right, we need some producers that can like live at the station basically for a weekend and we'll put you on the air just kind of as a reward for that. And I was able to get a crack and then I stuck from there. So like it, it is such a long grind. And, and that's why this whole thing is so is so fascinating and strange. And like it, it obviously speaks to a lot of people because you see it's a national conversation over a local post for a Sixers gig, but again, as you've said, you know very eloquently, this is a—it's a really tough grind. So yeah, and I don't want to discourage people from doing it. I did it, and you know, people could look at me and say, "Well, like, you did this," but you know, I want to do that too. But I think, in a lot of ways, I was just—I don't want to take away from you know, again, what I did. But I think there are a lot of things that I just you know, things broke right for me at different times. I went to you know a reputable school that a lot of people thought had some prestige, and I think that helped me find different gigs, even. So I might not have the requisite background for them. And, you know, I just got lucky and had some talent and everything kind of circulated and worked out well. But it's not going to be for everyone. And I just don't want people to get discouraged when, you know, they graduate from college and can't find a job and they're distraught that they have to take a field, take a job in a field that's not sports. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. And that's why I was glad we could get you on and talk for a little bit. So, Make sure you follow Seamus. You can find him at Seamus underscore Clancy on Twitter. And, of course, he's been doing some work with the 700 level. So, Seamus, hey, thanks again, man. It was good to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me on, Vince. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.